Do you have aspirations to be a leader in your business or organization? Welcome to Leadership Stars with your host, Linda Patton. Each week, we feature true leaders recognized in their fields who provide insight and ideas in creating a strong team and how you can become an effective leader. Now, here is Linda Patton. Welcome to this episode of Leadership Stars. I am so delighted today. I have a woman who I met a while ago, and I was just impressed with what she was doing and how she was doing it. And being a mom of two girls who are now grown with their own families and and all that, looking back on their lives and some of the things that Cynthia has shared with me, it's like, wow, one of the things I really didn't expect was to see the word leadership connected with parenting. I mean, somehow I didn't see those two together, but they should be. Um, saying p- that you're a parenting coach um, and an educator and and all of this, the guest that I have today is an expert in teaching people how to learn parenting leadership skills to shift from that horrible adversarial environment that you often s- live in to becoming an ally authority figure. Doesn't that sound wonderful? I know I would have loved that as I was taking my girls through their teen years. Um, So today we have the incomparable Cynthia Klein, whose passion is to create world peace by first creating peace within each family. Cynthia, I just love that. I think that that is so basic to us as humans to have that peace in each family and I'd like to welcome you to the show today. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here Linda. Oh Cynthia so um, you've been a parenting coach for 23 years. You obviously started when you were two right? (laughs) Right a little older than that. (laughs) So Cynthia would you tell the audience um, a bit about your background how you sort of got into being a parenting coach you know where did you start from and how did you get there? Yes I would love to. So my background is I got my degree in psychology and because I was always interested in relationships and Mm. also, and then it's kind of connected to when I was young, I used to do a lot of babysitting. At that point in time, I also knew that I loved to teach. So I ended up getting my degree, but I knew for me it was, uh, I wanted to be a teacher. So I ended up being an elementary school teacher, but my real dream was how do I create a great relationship with a future daughter that Mm. I thought I would have. And that's where I realized that for me to learn how to become a great uh, parent was crucial for my happiness and the happiness of my future family. So that's how I ended up studying about how to be a parent educator. How fascinating. So did you have that young girl? I did. I had a daughter who is uh, now um, an adult, a young adult, and because of her, I grew as a person. I see her as a wonderful inspiration for me to become a better person. Oh, I love it. I, I agree. I have I have two fabulous daughters, both of whom are Midwest, East Coast, living right now. And I had one in, in town last week. And it was so great to have seen the woman that she's become and the fact that whatever I did as a parent stood her in really great stead. And she's just this one amazing, amazing woman. Um, and she has an amazing husband as well. And I, I just, I love both my girls because of what they become because of 
um, how I raise them, how we raise them, uh, how we drug them up, as my mom used to say. Um, so, Cynthia, how would you define the parenting leadership style you teach parents in your parent, parenting program? Well, it's it's interesting because whenever I work with parents, I always, as I after I work with them, ask them what they thought about my, how I work with them. Mm-hmm. And I just was asking a dad the other day, and he said the word positive. That okay. He said, yeah, your style is very positive, um, which I, I like that word because that's really what I feel it is. There's a tendency to be very adversarial throughout time. Parents and their children, there's a controlling element there. Um, shaming, humiliation seems to be a tendency that parent, a lot of parents I work with do without realizing that it's damaging the relationship. So I think for me, it's helping them see what they're doing, how it's damaging the relationship, become more of an ally, mutual support, respect, change their strategy so they actually can build a relationship that's going to last a lifetime. You don't want it to be when your kids leave for college or leave the house that they never want to speak to you again, right? (laughs) Oh, yes. Um, Although there are moments, you know, during that period where you go, I can't wait for you to leave and I don't have to see you again. Yes. Uh, And that's absolutely not what you want. And it's not really what you mean, right? Correct. Yes. I mean, everyone, there's a separation, especially become 12, even nine years old, it can start to separate. Mm -hmm. So they have their privacy and their separate space. At the same time, to create a relationship when things are very difficult for them, where they know I can call my parents, my caregiver, because I know that they will support me through this hard time and Mm -hmm. I won't be pushed away because of it. That's the key type of relationship that I teach parents how to create. By really looking at, you have to look at now, what am I creating? What's the result of the actions, what I'm saying and doing with my kids now? So look at it long term. Well, and Cynthia, I think in, in some respects, parenting, leadership and parenting is is very much like uh, leading in a business. I mean, one of the, I think one of the first things I would have done. I, I don't. I guess I did, but maybe not as as boldly and as and in writing, is to write a vision statement about what do I want my children to be like as adults, and how do I want that relationship between us, and writing them writing that as though, you know, you they were 31 and 33 and this is what I'm seeing. This is the world that we live in. This is the relationship that we have. And would that be a technique that might help parents to have that more ally relationship? I believe so. And and thinking also about your past and how your past influences how you were parented is mm-hmm. also crucial. Right. And looking ahead, what type of relationship do I want? Am I building that now? Most parents are very much in the moment. Like, how do I get my kids to brush their teeth, right? How do I get them to do their homework? Right. right? How do I get them to stop fighting? How do I get them to quit um, talking back to me? So it becomes very immediate and not long range as so they get stuck in a loop of negative behavior. So absolutely, what is it What is it that I want my child to feel about themselves mm-hmm. and about the parent? It's, it's really crucial. How do I want my child to interact in the world as well? 
Yes, yes. I think that's so important. And I think you're absolutely right. We are so wrapped up in what in the crisis and the drama that's happening now that we don't look at, well, what do I want it to be? What, you know, when they're out of the house and they're married and have kids, what do I want that relationship to look like, to feel like, to smell like, to taste like, and really in- involve your senses with this, like we do with a business when we look at, well, what, where do I want the business at the end of the year as well? I think it's also interesting, Cynthia, you brought up the past. And I had a very dear friend who was was also, was a um, uh, parent and child uh, counselor, um, psych- psychologist. And one of the things he said was, we as children have a video recorder on our shoulder. And we videotape everything that our parents do with us, to us, about us. And when we become parents, we take that videotape down and we play it. And so we go, oh, okay, this is the model that I need to follow. Uh, And the interesting thing is the reason I'd asked him about that was because my husband lost his father when he was 17. And I found that when our eldest was getting to that age 17, she, he was backing away from her, almost like he was disconnecting from her. And I thought, okay, well, it's, it's just because, um, you know, she's going to be away. This is the beginning of, of her separating from us. And so he wants, he, he finds it's too emotional and he wants to um, start the process now. <clears throat> and what I, when I asked my friend, he said, no. Your husband has no video of what a father looks like at age 17. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And a lot of times, if parents have um, their own parent even died younger, then they're Mm -hmm. really lost. Or they didn't have the father was very absent or the mother was. They really struggle. One of the key things I ask uh, parents is, because I always uh, do a massive assessment with them ahead of time, so I really understand what's going on. I ask them, were you listened to as a child? Mm. Were your emotions listened to, your thoughts and feelings? Because that is crucial in one of the main skills I teach parents, which is how to listen to your child when they're upset. So if the parent wasn't ever listened to, they have no idea what that looks like, what that sounds like, how you do it. Mm-hmm. And just about every parent that I work with, I would say, even when I'm speaking in a large group, I'll sometimes ask how many of you had parents that listened to you, a very small percentage. So they're having to learn a new skill that they absolutely have no knowledge of how to do it. I think that's that's so very important, the, the ability to truly listen, not to just hear what they're saying, but to truly listen and to um, feedback, you know, do all the good listening skills that we teach as adults when you're having a conversation with a a potential client or in a coaching call or whatever, is that true deep listening? And I, I think oftentimes we do forget that we need to do that with our children as well at all ages, not just, um, you know, when they're teens and, and they're going through all the things that teens go through, but even younger, um, when they first begin to talk and, and that kind of thing, would, would you agree that listening is important throughout their lives? Well, when we look at it, it's crucial because we are emotional beings. The mm-hmm. limbic system, the emotional part of our brain, 
is developed before we're born. So we come into the world solely as emotional beings. Mm. We're, we're interacting with the world, not through a logical brain, right? through our limbic system. And so that is the essence of who we are. So to ignore that and just say to the child, don't be so emotional, don't get upset, which parents can do because <laughs> parents do that because they can't handle the emotions because of their own stuff comes up. Uh, it's, it's important to realize that that's, we need to listen to those emotions because that emotional center is flaring. And until you can listen and get that cleared out, until the child can get that cleared out, you can't go to the thinking part of the brain. Right. So, Cynthia, do you think in some respects that's also because they can't deal with their own emotions, much less listening and being empathetic and and all that with their children's emotions? Well, one of the key things when I work with parents is for them to realize what are the thoughts that are being triggered Mm -hmm. from their child. It's the think-feel-do cycle. Like Ah. when their child does something, what are you thinking? So we go through and analyze it. I have a list of things. You shouldn't be speaking to me like that. You know, I'm a parent. (laughs) So we go have to go through the whole cycle and then the feelings. And often when we go through that analyzing of it, they start to think of things from their own childhood. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I know I, I have childhood wounds and, and that kind of thing as well, which we don't need to go into here. But I, I agree. You do take that picture with you. And there were moments when I had a very difficult time dealing with the emotions of my my girls um, because oftentimes it it felt like they were Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and that they could shift on a dime or and still make change. And that for me was very difficult was to go from one that I would consider an apps, you know, I don't want to say perfect, but, you know, the, the child that, you know, is, is very supportive and loving and, emo- you know, their emotions are, are where they are. And then within moments to just shift and be this angry, screaming uh, individual. And it's like, how do I deal with that? Yes. So what do you tell parents about that? Yes, it's, it's definitely very hard. And that's why the more we can analyze because analyze that situation because it's repeating situation, right? right. When your yeah. child got upset. It wasn't like, oh, this is the first time and it's never going to happen again. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I wish. Right. right. And it didn't. And you can just your comment there is how difficult it is to deal with emotions, isn't it? It's like yeah. everyone, right? I wasn't listened to, so I had difficult and I have emotional scars as well. So the more we can analyze it, okay, when your child you know your child's going to be resisting. Let's let's analyze what you're thinking and feeling mm-hmm. right now, so mm-hmm. that and we're going to actually come up with new thoughts that you're going to have next time this happens. My child isn't. Uh, let's say the child says to you, "You know, I hate you. You're awful." Okay, my child is isn't. It isn't about me and isn't against me. So most parents get defensive, right? Right. Yes. You know, don't talk to me like that, which isn't helpful in that moment because that's a command and it doesn't make the child just gets more upset because the child just feels shut down. So instead, if we go, okay, you know, your child says this at the time, let's look at what is your child? Um, what are you thinking? Okay. You might be, let's rethink, let's think, okay, my child's upset now rather than my child's being disrespectful, which right. then you become, okay, my child's upset now. Is there some way I can listen in a way that my child can release those feelings because I know 
once they get those feelings out, not, I, I'm not also not going to take swearing and such. I can also set a boundary and say, I can listen to you. I can't listen to those swearing words. Then you can start to ahead of time. You're going to say, okay, when this happens, I'm going to think to myself, all right, I can listen. I can handle this. I can let my child release their emotions because once they do and once I listen, then they're going to be able to think better. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's like really, it's crucial to plan ahead and to plan ahead. How are you going to think instead? And then you get more control over your own emotions because once you get emotional, it's all gone. <laughs> Then you have two emotional beings yelling at each other because they're not they're not listening um, to each other. They're they're wrapped up in what I used to call in sales the egocentric predicament. I'm more concerned about me than I am about you, right? Yes. Yes. And so it's it's very difficult for parents. Uh, and in fact, I was talking to one mom who was a 14 year old, and she said to me, "Well, what about me and my needs?" And I said, well, you know, right now you're the adult, your 14-year-old has another, you know, 10 years of brain development before she's going to be more mature, really mature. So now I, we know we need to have you work on your own things. Take care of your own stuff that's coming up so you can listen to her. Right. So in other words, you have to be present and in um, your more developed emotional state um, so that you can support them and not exacerbate the situation in such a way that becomes a huge blow up and somebody walks out of the room um, angry and upset and, you know, the relationship at that moment is broken, right? Yes. So the, when the parents, I only work with parents, I never see the children because I know when the parents change what they think and feel and do, Mm -hmm. It'll bring out a different response from the child every time. So the parents have total power and control over themselves, Mm -hmm. not their children. That's where the power is. And that's where parents feel hopeful because they can realize, oh, my gosh, if I change, I'm going to actually get a different response from my child. Yahoo. It's not about controlling the child. That's a huge part of the allied parenting concept. Change yourself. Bring out a different response from the child. I love it. The fact that you you need to change yourself, the thoughts, the feelings, the actions to get the results that you're looking for. Because until you do that, um, you're running amok. So audience, I want you to think about that. Do you have full control of yourself and your emotions in such a way that you can listen to your children, can listen to coworkers as well? And don't drop into command to say, don't talk to me like that. Think about when you've done that and how you might turn that around, and we'll be right back. Voice America Women's Channel, a leader in the forward movement of women's success. Linda Patton draws from her four decades of leadership experience and her heartfelt passion to show women how to lead, dream, and create what inspires them. Her signature training programs and workshops will guide you through the key skills you need to own your leadership power, build your resources, plan your path, and take the actions that will translate your vision into reality. Start by scheduling a free, no-obligation, 30-minute strategy session with Linda Patton. Contact her at Linda at dare to dream with linda.com that's linda at dare the number two dream with linda.com 
Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Voice America Women's Channel, a leader in the forward movement of women's success. You are listening to Leadership Stars with Linda Patton. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. You may also send an email to Linda at daretodreamwithlinda.com. Now, back to Leadership Stars. Welcome back, and hopefully you took a minute while we were on break to think about you know, your your own conflict with your parents and, and how you've dealt with your own children. What's the role model that you are providing them? And also when you've used command, I think we, I don't think we often realize where else we command besides in our businesses and with our business associates. So my guest, Cynthia Klein, uh, in April of 2017, published her own book called Allied Parenting, a non-adversarial approach to transform conflict into cooperation. And she synthesizes the parenting education process and wisdom that she teaches to all of her clients and parents. In Ally Parenting, Cynthia also offers practical parenting solutions and strategies. And wouldn't I have loved that with my kids? And humorously shares her own experience in raising a daughter using examples of dialogue and parent success stories, which I think is Fabulous, because again, you have real-world examples of how to use what she's teaching you. So, Cynthia, welcome back. Thank you. And so, Cynthia, I wanted to start this section with um, a, a question that you and I had sort of started discussing, which is the three different parenting roles that parents use depending upon who has ownership of the concern. I'm really curious about that. Mm-hmm. And yes, this it's important to um, before you're dealing with a challenge with a child or in any relationship, and this is very relevant to the business community as well, mm-hmm. is to think about what is your role at to handle this challenge. Right. And so um, Michael Popkin, I studied from him um, at the very beginning of my parenting work, and he, talked about three different roles, and I ended up putting names to them they found very helpful. So depending on who is excited about making the change or who's bringing up the issue depends on what your role is. For example, you're a director when you want your kids to do something that they are really not that interested in. So you need to use director type of strategies. 
Um, my, maybe they don't like doing chores. That's a not a, you don't find very many children who love doing chores. Um, maybe they're not wanting to do their homework. That would be two examples. So in the workplace, you might think about, okay, is this a situation that I'm working with somebody and I need to kind of direct them and tell them what to do? Uh, two director strategies for parents is the after then or like the work before play. You know, after you finish the work, then you can do this play. Or another director strategy would be it's time to. It's like the big clock in the, side, in the sky says it's time to brush your teeth. Um, so that's the director strategy. And the collaborator is when you, both of you want to actually re- get a solution for the problem. Now, again, this could be homework. If your child wants to, feels committed to getting homework done, but is feeling stuck, you might do collaborative problem solving. At the same time, when I said chores was, they might not want to do it and you have to direct them. At the same time, it's important to collaboratively discuss the pot, what has to be done around the house, come up with some solutions, maybe a chore chart, and then you might have to direct them afterwards to make sure there's follow through. So right. there's director and there's collaborating. The third is a supporter. When it's up to your child to make the final decision, when it's not your responsibility, then there's certain strategies to do that will, so the child feels like they're supported and cared for, and they're going to make the final decision. This is a very hard uh, role for parents to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and Cynthia, I have to say that um, I, I've seen all three roles and I've used all three, but I, the one that, that resonated the most was the support role. And my dad was so good at that. Mm-hmm. He was, he was just amazing. Whenever I had like one of the more difficult decisions I had to make was going into the military and which branch was I going to go into? And he was awesome in helping me, put together a decision chart and listing all the pros and cons and really making the decision because he was Navy and I was tending towards Army. And I wanted one, I wanted to make sure that he was heard and that I wasn't just making this decision unilaterally. And it was so fabulous how he supported me in that decision. And at the end he goes, Army, that's where you need to go. I'm, I'm perfectly okay with that. It was also how he taught me math. Um, when when I was a kid, we were doing new math, whatever that meant. Mm-hmm. And he was an engineer who used a slide rule. So in one of my more advanced math classes, I was going, I, I don't know how to do this. He said, great, you work the problems your way. I'll work the problems my way. And we'll look to see if we got the same answer. If so, we'll move on. If not, we'll talk about our different ways of doing it and see what makes the most amount of sense and see which one actually gives us the answer that we're looking for. And I loved him for that because he supported me in both of those places. And in some respects, there was a collaborator as well. But I definitely did not have a dictator or a director in what he did. And I loved him for that. Yeah, yeah, it sounds wonderful to have that experience. So you had a role model of how, how to do that. Most parents don't have a role model mm-hmm. <laughs> of how to support. And then a lot of fear comes up. So let's say your your child's having, a, no matter what age, is having a struggle with a friend, mm-hmm. which oftentimes, if there's no bullying taking place, there's no rules being broken, that's where you'd have a supporter position with the child. That's my role. I'm going to support. And the, the whole approach is, You'll make the final decision, 
-hmm. and uh, we can discuss it, but you'll make the final decision. And boy, that can be really hard for parents. They want to jump in and tell their child, well, I think, Mm -hmm. you know, why don't you call your friend? Why don't you find out what you did wrong? So they they actually command and they direct rather than support. Mm -hmm. And that causes walls to come up. Kids are like, don't tell me what to do. And they end up totally shutting down their kids and not talking to, shutting down their parents, not even talking to their parents anymore because they know if I bring up an issue, my parents going to direct me rather than support. It's a crucial skill. It's a very, very crucial skill to learn. So most parents, I tell them if their kid isn't talking to them, they've probably said something or acted in ways that where their child doesn't trust them and doesn't believe that the parent's going to support them. It's very important to learn. And and as kids get older, you want to do more supporter. You do more director when they're younger. And collaboration is always crucial. Boy, if we learn collaboration in the family, how to discuss things, come up with solutions, I think the world would be a much better place. I agree. And, and the collaboration is, is really all on the feminine side, which we as women should have, I'm shooting on people, sorry, um, uh, you have a, a greater sense of collaboration than I think the men do. So in a lot of respects, it, it is a mom's role and it's teaching the dad how to collaborate and not to just direct, right? Well, yes, I, I work predominantly with couples, it seems to be. Mm-hmm. And so I'm very familiar with, you know, the men and the women. And there is a tendency for the dads to come in and to direct mm-hmm. um, and want to be obeyed. And uh, that comes, you know, <laughs> maybe they're at work and they're in a position there, especially if they're in a position of authority at, at work. They come mm-hmm. home and they start <laughs> directing their kids and then they feel like uh, if they, and they start treating their children as though they're adults right an immature little brain um but what's interesting linda i find that when fathers learn logically about the emotional part of the brain the limbic Mm -hmm. system and they learn that oh when a child a person's emotional and when i let them vent like a tell them it's like a pressure cooker like let the, the the release valve the venting come out so when men and women listen to that release valve of emotions then you can access the thinking part of the brain and then the child will have more collaborative response to you when women as well but men particularly when they understand that logically oh my gosh then they can start doing empathetic phrases which is a key part of the skill that i teach parents how to respond in ways so the child will keep venting so what are some of the words or or, um reflection back do you have the parents learn to do with their children about that and what's really important that this isn't re, uh, there was reflective listening is different from empathetic phrases. So reflective listening might be, oh, I understand that you're feeling this. That's something when you're in the decision making phrase. This right. is just how you respond so that they can actually vent. Um, so let's say the the child's really frustrated with homework, and you the parent wants to come in and tell them what to do. <laughs> you know why they want to yes. be <laughs> right. And then right. they, they want to direct, and then that kid's like, well, my teacher didn't say it that way, and you don't know what you're talking about, right? And then there's a shutdown. So when right. say, here's empathetic phrases that are much more effective. Let's say the parent comes over and says, wow, it looks, it looks like you're really struggling. Yeah, I hate this math, you know. It's awful. Huh, I see. Hmm. Yeah, it's 
it's, it can be hard. It's it's not your favorite subject. Then the child vents more. So all you're doing, you're not asking questions. You're not telling what to do. You're just being there as though, so the child knows that you're there and allowing the child to vent. That's it. And what a difference it makes. Because then they can feel, okay, dad understands me. He's not, or mom understands me. He's not just jumping in. Or it might be you... You seem upset. Some mm-hmm. like that. Some don't like to be told how they're feeling. Okay, so you've got to right. try different things and you see it. It might be more like, well, that, you know, it can be hard. It can be hard when. That's more of a thinker type. Like, don't talk about how I'm feeling. <laughs> right, yes. So there's different responses. I give a whole list of them in my book. And you try them what feels best for the child. What kind of response? If, if they're keeping, they might even vent even more, which could be a good thing. If they're not angry at you, if they're angry at you, then you've probably used a communication block. If they're just venting more, then you'll watch them. It'll settle down. I, I used, I did this a lot with my, uh, I'm going to talk about my daughter now. <laughs> and um, she was a business major and math major. And so she was not into uh, analyzing stories in books <laughs> she, uh-huh. and even I did this even over the phone when she was in college younger and later and she'd say oh I hate to write this paper why do I have to do this this is so ridiculous why don't they just tell us what to do you know <laughs> what they're meaning and mm-hmm. I would say things like wow well, I know oh, oh, this just isn't what you'd like to do oh. I would just I mean even just that mm-hmm. and and so it might go on for a while, and I didn't freak out. Parents often get afraid, and they say, oh, my gosh, i got to tell my child what to do, right? If I just mm-hmm. listen, if I don't control them, they won't do it. So you, right. You're, you, right. So you tell yourself, I know this is the way it works. If they vent, then they're going to be able to think better. That's brain science. So eventually, I'd say, okay, are you ready to work on your paper? And she'd say, oh, all right. <laughs> so yes. look at brain science uh, Daniel J. Siegel's done a lot of work on that and to understand the concept once you understand the concept then you have confidence in going through the process and it's and then once parents do it and they see the result they're like oh my gosh I can't believe that now my child's talking to me right so with all that said and, and this collaboration and, and not being a, a director um, how do we as parents then get our kids to do things they don't want to do without using things like punishments and threats or rewards or that kind of thing. How do we, how do we get stuff done? Right. <laughs> and there are things that have to be done and it's crucial. I tell parents, you must have your kids do chores. It's, it's essential because they have to learn how to do that. Um, so there's times you want them to do things and there's times things you want them to stop doing things. Uh, it's it's in crucial to realize first of all that you need emotional connection that 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 sort of connection helps them be more collaborative with you and it might be at that moment you're trying to ask them to do something it might be at other times so we need to keep building times that we're listening to children at other times when we're not wanting them to do something so you're building a foundation of trust and connection does that make sense it does definitely yeah, so that's why when I work with parents, I work with are you? how do you listen? That's the very first step, even before how do I get my child to do their chores. 
That's secondary. Okay, so first of all, make sure you're not blocking. Make sure you're at other times listening and connecting. Mm-hmm. So once you've got that, okay. So let's say your your child um, doesn't want to do chores. Oh, I had one couple I was working with, and what they ended up doing, they ended up having family meetings every week. And in the family meetings, they were doing um, compliments. Mm-hmm. They always would start out, this part is in my book, I always start out with compliments. And then they were discussing the chores and everyone's writing down everything they were doing. And so they could see, oh my gosh, mom does 30 things, right? Dad does 30 things. And so they collaborated together and came up with chore charts. And the kids came up with chore charts. So what that meant was the parents weren't always telling and directing, which really shuts down kids from doing things. Number one, you have to realize that when you're always commanding, do this, you know, brush your teeth, get dressed, eat, then the underlying message is you can't figure it out on your own. So when you get a chore chart, that really helps. Now, I want parents to understand once you have a chore chart or once you have an agreement, that doesn't mean there's necessarily going to be follow through. That's the second step. Right. Right. Yeah. Too often parents say, well, you said you were going to do this and now you aren't. So don't ever do that. Okay. If you Mm -hmm. make it, what I really find a great director strategy, you've got some agreement going on, you've got the chore charts is saying after then. The after-then work-before-play works best. And I use this with my daughter all the time. For example, let's say she wanted to go to a friend's house and I, she hadn't cleaned the bathroom yet. I would say, after you clean the bathroom, then you go to your friend's house. Now, do you think she responded, all right, Mom, the first time? <laughs> no. No. Okay. So you always know that they're going to get pushed back. And that's fine. You just accept it and you don't get angry about it. Mom, but Mom, everybody's going over there now. After the bathroom, then you can go. But mom, why didn't you tell me sooner? Bathroom first, then you can go. But mom, bathroom. Oh, all right. <laughs> so Cynthia, you're, in some respects, you're using what I call recueing. Um, there was, there was in that directorship in the after this, then that, and she'd give you an objection. You go after this, then that. So recueing her until she heard it and actually did it. So audience, what I want you to think about is, are you always commanding? And do your children, your workers, your employees think that they can't do it on their own? If so, converting to more of a collaborator role will get you more of what you're looking for. And we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Let leadership expert Linda Patton be your guide to uncovering the leader that lives within you and that you are meant to be. Through her signature training programs and workshops, Linda takes you every step of the way to help you tap into your personal leadership power, design a clear vision, build a loyal, effective team, and create a practical plan to make your dream come true. Get started now by scheduling a free, no-obligation, 30-minute strategy session with Linda Patton. Contact her at Linda at DareToDreamWithLinda.com. That's Linda at Dare, the number two, DreamWithLinda.com. 
The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Voice America Women. Your passion starts here. You are listening to Leadership Stars with Linda Patton. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. You may also send an email to Linda at daretodreamwithlinda.com. Now, back to Leadership Stars. Welcome back. Um, I've been, I'm talking with my very favorite guest, uh, Cynthia Klein, and we're talking about uh, relationships between children and parents, um, how to move from the director role to more of a collaborator role and also to a support role, although we agree that there are moments when that director are very, is very important. Um, so Cynthia's approach, as I've seen to parents is to inspire them to look within, to take on new information and to develop their inner wisdom about how to rear their children and also to work with their employees. The success of her parenting philosophy is based on parents realizing that the power to transform any conflict into cooperation begins with changing themselves first and then their children will follow. This philosophy leads to parents being empowered and successful and creating greater respect and happiness in their home. And don't we all want that? So, Cynthia, um, you were talking about communication blocks. So, are are there examples of how parents can act as an ally rather than as an adversary when their children are trying to solve their own problems? (laughs) Right. And, and. It's interesting because you could, like, again, we've talking about the workplace as well. This is so relevant in the workplace. A lot of times when I work with parents about communication blocks, what they're saying that's shutting down their child from talking, they say to me, oh, my, this is exactly what I'm learning at work, or this is something I can exactly use in the workplace. So a communication block is any remark on the part or action on the part of the listener 
that somehow hurts the self-esteem of the speaker to the point that they shut down, communication shuts down. Okay. And this takes self-control. This takes a mindset of, I need to think about what's the impact about of what I'm going to say on my child or on the person I'm talking to. So rather than, well, I'm just going to say it this way and you, you know, I didn't mean it that way. You need to deal with it. That <laughs> kind of, right? That doesn't work. And parents do this often. So um, some communication blocks that are very uncommon or very common, giving unwanted advice. Notice I say unwanted because there's sometimes kids want advice. Um, and unwanted advice can feel very it's like you're saying to the child, I need to tell you what to do because you can't figure it out on your own. That's one very common one. That's And that's why it's hurtful. Commanding is a very common block as well. The underlying message of that is you don't have the right to decide how to handle your own problem. So that means when the child is trying to even tie a shoe and you're commanding what to do. <laughs> right? Yes. They get mad because they hear parents like, oh, I'm just trying to help my child. And my child says, leave me alone. You know, stop that. It's because the underlying message is you don't have the right to decide how to handle your own problems. Mm -hmm. I I work with parents. Mostly the parents I work with have children that are strong willed. And (laughs) they're like, don't do that to me. Um, Placating. This is an interesting one. Placating is when you are trying to take away the child's pain or make them feel better. Like, you know, honey, that's okay. Don't worry that your friend can't come to your party. You're going to have lots of other friends. And that may sound like it's a good thing to say, but the underlying negative message that feels hurtful is you don't have a right to your feelings and you can't handle discomfort. Right. And placating, actually, the parent can't handle discomfort. That's really where it's coming from as well. I don't want to see you upset. I want to make you feel better. Um, And then the third, another one that's very uh, popular is interrogating, which is asking questions. And you're trying to get to the bottom of the situation. So let's say it is a friendship issue that your child's having. Uh, They come home and from school and they're saying, you know, um, Mark just was really wouldn't talk to me today and the parent starts interrogating well what happened what well what what did you say and if it's a block it feel it shuts down because the underlying message is you must have messed up somewhere like I'm interrogating you to get to the bottom of it um, even a child getting in the car and the parent picking them up and the parent saying how was your day how did it go at school today can you see how that could feel like an interrogation? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the child will feel like, oh, my gosh, whatever I say, my parents going to ask more questions or they're going to make me feel like I'm, I'm wrong. And so they don't say anything. So often interrogation, um, even though you think you're being helpful. So this is the problem with communication blocks. You think you're doing the right thing. <laughs> you think yeah. you're being helpful. Right. So every parent I work with, this is the very first thing we talk about. Okay, let's look at what the child is saying and how you're responding, how you're shutting him down. And once Mm -hmm. you start working on um, not shutting down, not using blocks, there's more blocks. Yelling is always a block, by the way. (laughs) Uh, 
Yelling always is hurtful. Then you can start building the connection. Um, and you need to have connection in order to get kids to do something. I want to do one other example. Mom, they had done a chore chart and they were supposed to, um, in the morning, do the chores. And the boy started to play with the dog instead. And the mom was like, remember, you know, chores first and then the, then the dog. And mm-hmm. she kept petting. And then she did an emotional connection. She says, wow, you know, Jasper really loves you and you really love your dog. Just look at how he loves you petting him after you finish getting ready. Then you can play with Jasper. And the son got up and right away, and this is a teenager, went and got ready first. Awesome. There, There is power in that. It is very um, powerful. So that's kind of an example I wanted to bring up that I hadn't brought up before where they had done collaborative problem solving, came up with this. Uh, everybody talked about, okay, we hate mom yelling and this and that, and we're going to do these chores. And then he still was resisting and mom connected and, and really emotionally connected and helped him through and he'd become more of a collaborator. Yeah, and I, I can see also that, that in some respects that's a challenge for the person who's making the emotional connection because you do, you, you you know, you've said it so many times and you're so frustrated with the fact that they're not doing what you asked them to do that, you know, in some respects, it's difficult to take a step back and to feel what you're feeling. And then how, you know, how's that going to affect the child? Is it going to get what I want? And the answer is usually no, it's not. So what can I do differently that and I, I love that I, I that Jasper loves you and you know you can pet him more after you do your chores or after you get ready for school then you'll have all the time you need to be able to pet the dog and love him and and all that I think that's it's you're right it's more of, it's less of an adversarial conversation than it is an allied conversation and this Thank is the, the difficult thing is for a parent to see themselves and this is mm-hmm. where I come in you know this is where a coach myself or somebody else is very helpful. You yeah. know, you coaching people, right? Right, you have somebody absolutely. else, because you, like, I listen to them. Okay, give me a scenario, and I even have them write it down often. What did you say? What did the child say? Back and forth, back and forth. And then you can pinpoint, okay, right here, you were using communication block that shut down the child. So let's see how you could respond and keep the conversation going and the child continue talking. And often when you're a supporter role, you, you might have a child, very strong will, that doesn't want to discuss the possible solutions with you. I have a four-step process. First mm-hmm. is stop blocking. Second is listen o- openly with the empathy statement. The third is to discuss ideas and, and let your child decide. And the fourth is to follow up. But my daughter, she, you know, she was good. If I could listen to her, let her vent, she would come up with the ideas on her own and do much better at solving her struggles and her challenges in life without going through the whole process with me. So know that if you're a supporter, doesn't mean you're necessarily going to have a child that's going to want to go through and discuss every pros and cons <laughs> with you. You know, you did that with your dad, but there are certain that do not. They're like, but no, have confidence. Just by you listening, let them vent. The more a person can express what they're thinking and saying aloud with a wonderful, supportive listener, why people pay for therapists, right? Yeah, right. right. Absolutely. Yes. You have a supportive listener. You, it's like you put the ideas out there, then you can examine them better. You can understand them better. Mm-hmm. So when you're a supporter, please never ask one of the main questions, is, which is, what are you going to do? 
Right. Yeah. I, Cynthia, I think some of the best conversations that I had with my girls was up in, in our bedroom and they'd they would sit and lie on the, on the end of the bed and I'd sit up front and we would just communicate. And we got more stuff done and more decisions made and more problems solved just sitting there having this conversation than we did standing in the hall yelling at each other. And I love those moments. And I know the girls will say to me, you know, Mom, the one thing I miss not being there is our sitting down and having just a conversation. I really miss that. So, Cynthia, I know that you have a free gift for our audience. Would you tell them just a little bit about that? Certainly. Um, the one thing is, uh, you're, I have created a booklet which is uh, called Bridges to Parent-Child Cooperation. And it's actually an introduction to the ally parenting approach. Mm-hmm. And that's free on my website. I encourage anyone who'd like to find out more. Like, what is it that, what is this approach about? And you can download that off of my website. And the other second thing is, if anybody wants to have a challenge that they're having, between themselves and their child evaluated. I also, through them filling out an assessment, can give them a free evaluation about where I see the problems are. Sounds fantastic. Thank you, Cynthia. That sounds really, really good, and I think it would be extremely helpful to our audience. Now, you can do those internationally as well as um, nationally, correct? Absolutely, yes. All right. So so for our listening audience that's outside of the confines of the United States, you can absolutely take advantage of Cynthia's um, magnanimous free offer to evaluate a situation that you're working with. So, um, Cynthia, we're getting close to closing, and I would love it if you could give our listening audience like three final tips that would change their relationships with not only their, their children, but could also be uh could move into the work world as well. Uh, first of all, is look at parenting or the relationship you're experiencing as an opportunity for personal growth. I think that's so crucial. I'm having a struggle. How do I grow from this? Um, the second thing is that nowadays we really need to have a belief of mutual respect. Par- kids don't just respect you because of the, the, the adult. It needs mm-hmm. to be a mutual respect. needs to be shown back and forth. Um, and also realize that this kind of mutual respect builds cooperation through connection. We must have emotional connection, a respect in order to build that cooperation. And that's my goal is to help build parent-child cooperation in the world. Then we can have more peace in the home because it starts in your home. How are you interacting with your child? So look at yourself. You have power in changing yourself, not power in changing your child. And I love that as a, as a final note. Yes, we have power to change ourselves. We can influence um, the others around us. And so for more information on this and on how to um, look at your command versus influence leadership, please connect with me at Linda at DARE, the number two lead with Linda.com. And until next week, be courageous, DARE to lead. And we'll see you then. Thank you for tuning in to Leadership Stars. Please join Linda Patton for another engaging edition of our program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. We'll feature another noted leader next week. 